0: Continuing a series from a message that I shared last week called Take a Step. And I wasn't actually planning on this being a series, but with a lot of studying and then a lot of feedback from last week, I figured, man, it'd be a great opportunity to continue with the topic of what we talked about last week and take a step. If you weren't here last week, no worries. I'm going to catch you up real quick uh, on what happened last week. So, last week, we talked out of Ezekiel about how God has called us to continue to take steps in our faith, and we used the illustration of a pool and talked about how some people just kind of tiptoe into the pool, and then how some people fully dive into the pool. And uh, we talked about in in Ezekiel that one day God's going to come, and God's going to call us to get into waters, and how God continually wants us to make progressions in the water. And we started, anybody remember what the first one was? You start at ankle deep, and then knee deep, and then waist-deep, and, uh, and then above the head. And we talked about how every step God celebrates. And no matter where you are today in your faith, that the step that you've taken right now, God celebrates that, and he celebrates where you are. And then we give the, gave the illustration of uh, a table, and we looked at four different chairs and how each one of those chairs represented somebody in this house. And that as a family, uh, we have different people that are sitting at the table. And so we talked, to, the first one was about the guest chair. And we talked about if if you're a guest here at OSC, first off, we're so excited you're here. Um, We're glad you're here. And we prepared for you. We've been waiting for you. We've been praying for you. And so you're here. And so you're a part of our family. You're part of our table. And then we moved along and we talked about this other chair. Anybody remember what this chair was? The high chair. We talked about the high chair and how when we step into the faith, the Bible says we're born again and we're, we're like babies. And we have so many people that are in this stage right here. But we talked about how the high chair really should be called the, the eye chair. Because oftentimes as babies, babies only think about... And so we talked about how um, that's great to be a baby and we're excited for that and we're excited to be able to help people get into that stage. But God hasn't called us just to stay in the baby stage and the I stage and the high chair. He's called us to move to the growing chair and the growing chair kind of represents adolescent age in this age of of our life where we start realizing it's not just about me that there's other people out there and that there's other people at the table and we learn that we can contribute to help with other things and then we move to the last and final chair which is what we called the mature chair mature chair represented Parents represented mom and dad represented adults. And we talked about how in this chair, it's not about lording over people. It's not that you're the boss now. It's now is the fact that you have a responsibility because it's really, when you get to this chair, you realize it's not about you at all. And this responsibility is all about you now taking care of other people. Come on, how many many parents are in the house? Your parents. Okay, yeah. So you woke up today, and if your kids are still under your roof, you woke up today, and you didn't just think about me and myself. What did you think about? You thought about, I got to get these children to church, dressed, and I got to keep my sanity somehow. And uh, some of you got here, and you're here. But how many of you know it ain't easy like a Sunday morning? I don't care what that song says. (laughs) Right? It's like a devil like Sunday morning. And so... And so whoever saying that didn't go to church. And so because as a parent, you have a responsibility to take care of all these kids. And so we talked about how even in our own spiritual faith that we progress in this. And so that's where we are. So today, though, I want to share kind of a continuation to that message. And, and I realized after talking last week and, and after definitely talking with a number of people out of that message One of the things that I got back from people was they understand, okay, I know I need to take a step, but one of the greatest things that they battle with is fear, the fear of taking steps, that if I take that step, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? Uh, How many of you know when you play in the shallow end, that's one level, but then when you move to the deep end, how many of you know... It gets, a little, it gets a little fearful. And so I want to begin today in 2 Peter chapter 3. If you've got your notes, you can look on with your notes or you can look on the screen as well. Um, but 2 Peter chapter 3 is going to kind of be our, our first verse here. And, and just want us to remind ourselves that God has called you and I to grow. We are called to grow. 2 Peter 3.18 says, you must, what's that word? Okay, you said that like you were asleep. Okay, you must Good, okay, now you're waking up. Come on, 1045. All right, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is his desire. So let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, right now, we just set aside this time to do just that, to grow, to grow in grace and to grow in knowledge. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would help us in that, help us to take the steps that you've called us to take. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. 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 If I was to describe myself to you, um, I would probably say I am athletically lazy. <laughs> I I am any other athletically lazy people in here? I I absolutely love sports. I love watching it. I love playing it. If I can if I can play a game or play something, I, I love playing it. I love being outside and competing. But I also am, am very lazy. And, and so, unless I'm outside playing some sports, then I like to be in AC oh, yeah. on a couch or a chair with food in my lap. And so, that's just how I am. And um, <clears throat> But Lindsay, on the other hand, is very different than me. She's very, she's not lazy at all. She's always moving around her house, always taking care of things. And she is an incredible person when it comes to the area of working out. Um, and so she's run. She runs all the time for the past year. She's been ran, running everywhere, running all around our neighborhood. Which, by the way, if you ever see me running, you better be running, um, because something's chasing me. And so, and so, but Lindsay's been running for the past year or so, and she's done a bunch of 5Ks and did a did a 10K a while back. And uh, and man, I'm just and she can do that all by herself. She'll go in the room and just work out all by herself. Like, I can go and sit in front of a TV all by myself. I mean, I'm really good at it. And so, uh, but anyway, so for this past year has just been this challenge in me to to get going and get moving and to get healthy. And she's been getting healthy. And so about, I don't know, about three months ago, she joined CrossFit. And uh, she did that and did the whole thing, did the whole bootcamp. She would come home and she'd be like, oh, I'm so sore. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sore at all. <laughs> I feel great. And, uh, and so she'd come home, and, and then but she would just keep going back. and And so <clears throat> the person who owns CrossFit, Kim, comes to our church here. And so Kim and my wife have both been tag-teaming me <laughs> to get me to go. And I have been rebuking the devil for a long time to get behind me, Satan. But eventually I realized I am... I am not becoming athletically lazy. I am becoming lazily nothing. And my weight is going up. And uh, And so I realized I've, I've got to do something. So six weeks ago, I made the final decision. All right, I'm going to do this. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen any people that do CrossFit or whatever, but they're crazy. Um, no, they are. They are. They literally, cr- most of them are crazy. Um, they enjoy working out. And they enjoy hurting you, and um, and so I went, and so day one, I, I walk in, I, I, and so I'm fearful, I'm scared of what this is going to be like, are they going to hurt me, what's going to go on, all these guys are swole, I'm like a toothpick, I mean, what is going on here, and so I walk into there, and the lady's like, hey, glad you're here, and she's really warm, and and uh, friendly to me, and so, it comes okay, all right, I can do it, and she's like, oh, by the way, before you go into your first workout, I need to measure you, I said, measure me? Like measure what? What do we measure in here? She's like, I need to measure your absolutely small arms. And uh, no, she didn't. Say, <laughs> she didn't say that. That's how I felt though. <laughs> she she didn't even need to use a foot. I mean, it's just like, anyways. I cried. And so other girls are getting measured, and they're like huge. And I'm, anyways, so I just felt so inferior. And so she's like, I need to measure your waist, measure your legs, and then and then I need you to step on a scale. And so I was like, okay. So, you know, I did all that. So I go into, the, go into the class, the first class, and they have something that's called baseline. What baseline is, is in the first day that you go, they, they do something where they want to see where you're at. They want to see how fit you are. And so you do this, you know, 500 meters of rowing and 40 squats and 30 sit-ups, 20 push-ups, 10 burpees. You do all this stuff. You do this whole thing. And they say, okay, this is what we want you to do. Do it and do it as fast as you can. Okay, that's fine. Well, when I walk into this class, there's about 18 women and three guys. And I'm thinking, okay, I could at least get third, maybe. I'm not letting any of these women beat me. So I go all out. I give everything I got. And then after it's all over, I get first place. I was so excited. I got first. But I couldn't move for five minutes after I was done. And this is no lie. I laid on the ground. People would come up to me and going, are you okay? Are you all right? And I said, just don't talk to me. I'm okay. They came up. They started giving me bananas. They started giving me, this is no, I can't make this stuff up. They're giving me bananas. And so I was excited I got first, but I thought I was going to die. And then what I didn't realize though was for the next three days, my body did something. Like, I had muscles that were hurting I didn't know were actual muscles. My, my stomach was hurting. My back was killing me. My legs were... And so there was just this pain for the next three days. And you know what happened two days later? You know what I did? I went back. I went back to the place that hurt me so they could hurt me again. And so for the next six weeks, I did what was called boot camp. And I went three days a week. Well, I was usually only going about two days a week. But I would go... And I would be in the middle of this workout and in the middle of this. And I feel like I'm dying. I would just, I would go to pick up something. I go, why am I here? Why am I doing this? What is wrong with me? My, my lungs are burning. And yet after it was over and I'd go home, I would go, I can't wait till I can go back again like, what is going on in my mind? They're brainwashing me. Well, this week I finished all six weeks. Yeah. I survived. So this last one, I go and they said, okay, this is our last workout. Guess what we're going to do? Baseline. So we went and did the exact same workout that I did on the very first day that I went. But this time when I went, I wasn't scared. I was kind of excited about it. Because I knew some of the things that I did that was wrong the first time I did it. I knew that I went too fast. I needed to pace myself. I knew I could do 20 push-ups real easy now. And then when I did my baseline, I beat it by over a minute. I, yeah. And I was so excited. And I wasn't laying on the ground for five minutes after. <laughs> I was so pumped. And then they said, oh wait, before you leave, we need to measure you. And I thought, okay. So I got on the scale and I weighed six pounds more. I think it's all muscle, but anyways. Or Popeye's, but it's one of those. I work out so I can eat whatever I want. Anybody else in here? Okay, all right. I had Dr. Pepper after I worked out yesterday. Lindsay's like, you can't do that. I was like, "There's, there's water in here. I'm rehydrating this machine here. So it's probably I probably need to work on some dietary issues. I know I do. But anyways, I, I found out that my arms were a little bigger. My legs were a little bigger. And I walked away going, I feel a lot better now. I feel stronger now. I feel like, and I thought, you know what? This is what spiritual growth should be like. This is how it should be. We should be taking steps we should have some type of way to track that we take steps and then we're we're growing we're getting stronger we're getting bigger it's a lot like kids i, I posted out a thing the other day what's what what do kids and crossfit and christians have in common and the, the thing that's that should you should have in common they all three have in common is they all want to grow they all grow they all get better they all get stronger if they're healthy they all do. Christians should. Kids do. There's a, there's a gland that is in your body that tells your body to grow. Does anybody know what gland that is? The pituitary gland. Very good. You know how big it is? It's about that big. It's a, it's, it's a little bean, small bean gland. They actually call it the master gland. Because when this master gland screams, the rest of your body pays attention. This small gland produces things in your body that tells your body to grow. And they say that in adolescence, between the ages of 12 and 17, is when your body grows the most, grows the fastest. It's usually when puberty is hitting and boys are just shooting out of their feet and and, then out of their clothes and they're getting bigger and things are happening because that pituitary gland is putting all that into order. Now... How many would wish that we would have a spiritual pituitary gland? How awesome would it be if we had this spiritual gland and it just told you, grow. And then all of a sudden, like, you loved more. You would be patient more. Uh, I ain't doing that. Whoa, I think I'm in the wrong church here. Patience? I I don't know about that. You would have joy and you would desire to read and spend time with God more, and you, you didn't have a problem with your mouth anymore, and all this would happen because of this spiritual little gland. But how many of you know that gland don't exist? If you go into a house of a parent, a lot of parents have these, um, you, you, you'll see it's usually on maybe the back of a, a door, in a kitchen, in a hallway, on a door frame, but you'll see these things if someone has kids, especially younger kids, they have what's called a growth chart. Anybody ever seen a growth chart? How many have a growth chart? Anyone have growth charts with your kids? Some of you may have some. And what is a growth chart designed to do? To chart, yeah, how they're growing. You know, you look at it, your child and, you know, at one age and then the next birthday or however often you check it. And you're checking to see if there's growth. And, and you know that. If you have a three-year-old and he's here and he's five-year-old and he's still here, there's something that's wrong, right? The child should be growing. What if we had a spiritual growth chart? What if we had a spiritual growth chart to be able to track how we're growing? I would love to have something like that. I want you to write this down. I think you have some notes there. Spiritual growth is not guaranteed or automatic. I wish it was. Much like your own body, you you know you may be fifteen in here, six two, and a girl. You know what? You didn't have a say about that. Your pituitary gland is the one who did all that. You can't pray to be shorter. It ain't gonna happen. You gonna be that. You gonna be that tall, or you could be five foot nothing, and thirty. You ain't growing a six foot. I don't care how much you fast and pray. <laughs> it ain't happening because of that gland. And much like that, spiritually, spiritual growth is not automatic. It's not guaranteed. God gives you and I a choice. We are in relationship with him. And so God gives you and I a choice to grow if you want to grow or if you don't. And let me just say this. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're always growing. Just because you may have been here a long time doesn't mean you're always growing. I've seen some people that have been here for less than six months and grown way more than people who have been here for six years. Because spiritual growth is not automatic. You have to be intentional about wanting to grow. Now, of course, with that there is steps. Growth is not fast. Growth is slow. Growth, growth takes time. And, and every time you take a step, no matter how small that step is it 's a big deal and god God celebrates that. We talked about that last week. God celebrates every single step that we take, no matter how big or how small those steps are. You know uh, a lot of people when they come here for the first time, one of the big things that they kind of have i don 't want to say an issue with but it 's just different is worship our worship it 's different it 's different than many. Um, you know, you look around and people have their hands raised and you're like, why does everybody have questions around here? I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> and you realize real quick that, you know, worship around here is a little bit different. And so if you if you come over a period of time, there's something in you that's like, you know, I, I would like to kind of engage in that. I'd like to kind of do that. And you, you realize that people are really worshiping the Lord and people worship the Lord differently. But, you know, and you look around, people lift their hands differently, you know. I mean, you got like the, you know, the people that are carrying a big TV, you know, you got that, that thing going on right here, you know, you got those that are like kind of far out, like they're the ticklers, you know, for those that are like next to them, you know, that's those people, you know, and then you got those that are, man, just going, going all out for it, you know, and doing the YMCA, you know, did you got that? I mean, you got the Rocky, you know, you got those things going on, the tomahawk chop. I mean, you got, you got all different kinds. Here's the deal. God really doesn't care about how you worship. But I just want to tell you that every time you take a step into that, God is growing you. You're learning more. You're growing more. You know? Uh, How many of you enjoy our worship team? How many of you love them? Okay. I do too. I love them a lot. I don't know how many of you know the story of a lot of our people that are on our team. Allie, who leads our worship team, is our worship director here. I don't know if y'all knew this. She did not always do that. At one time, I was the worship pastor here, and I led worship for like nine years. And you know what Allie was? She was my background vocal, back here, in the back. And at one point, I grabbed Allie, and I said, guess what? I'm stepping off the stage. She's like, oh, who's taking your place? I said, you are. And then after she threw up in her mouth, and then and <laughs> she was scared. She really was. She, wanted it, she was comfortable with the background. How many glad she didn't stay in the background? I'm glad she didn't stay in the background. Melanie, I mean, I can just go across the board and just look at different people on our team and go, thank God they didn't stay in the background. God wanted them to take a step and get into the, the lead role. And the same is with you and I. God is calling us just to take little steps. And he celebrates those steps that we take. Now, I want to show you a story. Go to Exodus chapter 3. You can look at it in your notes. And I want to show you this story of Moses. Most of us know this story. But I don't know if there's a part of this story that you really understand. And it it has a lot to do with what we're talking about when it comes to taking a step. And how God challenges us in those areas. Exodus 3 verse 1. Let's read it together. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of the Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to, what's what's that word? Horeb. Horeb. Underline that. Circle it. Highlight it. Want you to put a star by it. I don't care. Just want, I want you to, to uh, signify something big there. So God speaks to Moses at Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. So let me, let me just real quick tell you what's going go to go. Well, let me finish and then I'll, I'll tell you. Verse 9. And now behold, the cry of the people. So this is what God, God is now, he's grabbed Moses' attention. And now Moses and God are having a conversation. And God is speaking to Moses and he's telling him something. And this is what God tells Moses. Verse 9. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, let me give you a little bit of a scenario of what's going on. Moses is 80 years old. Eight zero. 80. He is married. He has a family. What's his occupation? He's a shepherd. He's tending sheep. He's on a mountain tending sheep. God speaks to him out of a bush and says, hey, guess what, Moses? I know you're 80, but I'm going to change your job. Wait, hold up. I'm 80 years old. Like, I'm getting AARP magazines, I'm getting Social Security, I'm getting, you know, I'm going to the buffet at 4 o'clock because I get the senior citizens discounts. I mean, this is the good life. Moses is like, I am about to retire, and now you want to make me change my job? And God says, yeah, I do. And at 80 years old, when Moses is about to check out, God gives him a new assignment. Write this down. I want you to write this down. This is in your notes. And this is our first kind of point that I want us to, to look at. God often asks you to step before you're ready. God often asks you to step before you're ready. Have any of you noticed that God is always moving faster than you are? You ever notice that his pace is always a little quicker than your pace is? Do you know how Moses responds to God when God tells him, hey, I want you to go take the children of Israel and get them out of Egypt? You know what Moses says to him? I can't speak. I can't talk. And God says, that's all right. I'll deal with that. Here, I'll give you your brother. Your brother will go with you. He'll help you out. Isn't it amazing that every time God tells us a step, we've always got an excuse? Hey, I want you to go to this. Hey, I want you to go... you know, I've talked to so many people that have come here to the church and, you know, when you get to find out, hey, how'd you find out? But they're, they're like, man, I've known about this church for a year and I just never could come. And I finally decided, finally, after so many excuses I gave on why I couldn't come, I finally decided I was going to come. We always have an excuse for something in some area of our life when God says, hey, I want you to do this. And you're like, and so fill in whatever your excuses are. I don't know enough. What's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. Can I do it? I don't know if I can do it. But all of us have a thing. And have you ever noticed when God calls people, he always calls people when they're not ready? Is there anywhere in scripture where God calls somebody and they're like, it's about time, God. I've been waiting on you. No, every time God calls people, it's always when they're not ready. Because he wants them to be dependent on him. And so we see in this, just with this story of Moses, that God calls him even when he's got his excuses and here's why we're not ready because growth means change and change oftentimes is attached with it is fear you're about to step into spots that you're not used to and so you say things like what will happen can i do this insecurity rails up fears wells up past past failures begin to come up you're like i can't do that again i can't do that again So last week I gave the illustration of a pool and and walking through a pool and going through the different steps. Well, yesterday, um, uh, my boys and I are swimming. And so my boys now can swim. They can swim well. And they have no problem diving into the, I mean, jumping off into the deep end and swimming and all that stuff. And so yesterday I said, okay, it's time to step it up a little bit here. So I want to teach you guys. We're going to learn how to dive. I want you to Dive. Okay, and they're like, "Okay, well how do you dive?" And so, you know, we got off on the side of it and said, "Okay, you know, you put your hands out and you go face first into the water and get it." And so, you know, they did that and over the course of time they did that pretty good. And I said, "Okay, now let's go to the diving board and do a dive." And so, so Judy gets on and he says, "Okay, I'm going to do a dive." And so he, you know, he does his things and this I said, no, you need to go face first. Okay, dad, okay. <laughs> we still have not perfected the dive with Judah yet. Because there's a fear of going face first. And so we're learning that. And so, you know, Si is laughing at him. And I said, okay, I si, do a flip then. I don't want to do a flip. <laughs> I'll do a flip. And so he does a flip and lands on his back. You don't flip your legs over fast enough. You're going to land on your back. And, and so how many know when you do that, you don't want to do it again, right? I'm done. Okay, I'm out. Get me out. And so as a loving dad, very nurturing, I said, get back on that board before I beat you. Uh, it wasn't quite like that, but it was close. And so we're taking progressional steps on getting better at things. So yesterday, the the big thing was for us to touch the bottom. We're going to jump off the diving board and go to the bottom. Touch the bottom and come right back up. And Judah is like, no, I can't touch the bottom. I said, how long can you hold your breath? I don't know. So we go in the deep end. Let's go under and count. One, two, three. We do it to 10. Okay, just I go over on the board and jump in. Jump down. He jumps down. He comes up in four seconds. Judah's over here holding his breath for like 13 seconds. I said, dude. You can jump off the diving board. Daddy will go with you. We'll touch the bottom. We'll come up. Cry, tears crying everywhere. You know why? Fear. Fear. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be able to breathe. And I, you can't breathe in the shallow wind. It's, not, it's the same water. We're going to just go. But you see what I'm saying? It's fear. Anytime there's something that's new, you're going to try something different. There's fear that's attached to it. And so as a good, loving father, I want to help my boys face their fears. And so you know what I told him? You remember when you told me you couldn't ride your bike? Can you ride your bike? Well, yeah. Yeah. But you know there was one day when you told me you couldn't ride your bike? You remember the day where you told me that you couldn't swim? Yeah, I remember that. Guess what? You swim like a fish now? Don't tell me you can't, because you can. The truth is, there's fear there that's blocking. And if we can get beyond that, you'll probably do more things than you ever could imagine. So here's the question. How many of you are stuck where you're at because of fear that if you look back and go, I never thought I could do that. And then you look back and go, wow, I'm doing that. What is holding us back? See, God always calls us to do things before we're even ready. But let me show you what God tells Moses. Look at verse 12. God says to him, but I will be with you and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt You shall serve God on what? On what? Okay, on Mount Horeb, this mountain. Okay, so this is what he says. Let me tell you what he says. He says, when you go and you step out and you go and get your new assignment and go get all the people and the children of Israel, you bring them out of Egypt. When you bring them out of Egypt, let me tell you what's going to happen. When you bring them out of Egypt, I want you to bring them right back here. And then you guys are going to have this big old praise and worship service. It's going to be awesome. We're going to celebrate because this is going to be the sign that I was with you. And so Moses says, okay, okay. Let's get on our little DVD clicker and let's fast forward, okay? So everybody, everybody get your clicker out. We're going to fast forward, okay? Everybody got your clicker out? Okay, fast forward. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter one, okay? So Deuteronomy chapter one, Moses stepped out. He went to the Pharaoh, said, let my people go. Okay, they let them out. They did the whole Red Sea thing. They did all the stuff. And here we are, Deuteronomy chapter one. They're at the mountain. Yes, they made it. I want you to see what happens though. Deuteronomy one, verse six. And the Lord, our God said to us in where? Horeb. Horeb. Okay, so we made it to the mountain. Now watch what he says. You have stayed. What's those two words? (laughs) I just got here you have stayed long enough at this mountain turn take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites alright here's your next point often when you want to stay God wants you to step often when you want to stay God wants you to step Did God tell them to come to that mountain? Yes or no? Yes. But notice that God was wanting them to go to that mountain, but he wasn't wanting them to stay at that mountain. And oftentimes God will bring us to a mountain and we're like, I got here. And when we want to settle camp and God says, that was just one of the steps. That wasn't your last step though. You've stayed here long enough. It's time to get up and go. Can I tell you this? God's greatest goal on earth is not to get you into that 18 inch seat right there. Do you understand that? Listen to me. God did not die the death that He died so you could sit in a seat. There's so much more that God wants to do in you. Let let me give you an example. John Williams is a composer. Uh, you, you may not have heard of John Williams, but I promise you, you've heard all of his music. Anybody seen Star Wars? That's John Williams. Anybody seen E.T.? That's Star Wars. My son hasn't. He hates it. Um, anybody seen Indiana Jones? Okay. Superman? Yeah. Okay. Uh, come on, Superman. All right. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So all of all of these movies, Harry Potter? Okay. So all of these movies were composed by John Williams. John Williams, literally, if, if, you're, if you were writing a movie and filming a movie and you wanted somebody to compose your music, you would want John Williams. Because every time John Williams composes, it's a blockbuster. So if I'm wanting a, a blockbuster movie, I'm getting John Williams. Now, John Williams is an f- extremely famous uh, conductor. But one of his most famous songs that he ever made, which shows the genius of what this man is, was one of the shortest songs ever. And when you hear this song, it does something to you. I mean, from the inside out, no matter who you are. And the craziest part of all this, it's two notes. Two notes. And it goes something like this. Da-na. Da-na. And he's like, you know what? Let's just make it go faster. Dun, 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 Anybody done that in a pool with your kids? I do it all the time. Did, did it yesterday. When you think of, dun, dun, what do you think of? What do you, what do you picture? Let's put it that way. Shark. Not, only, not just any shark. A great white shark named Jaws. Linz and I recently went to the beach. We were on a jet ski. And she said, don't you dare throw me off of this jet ski. I said, why not? She said, I can't see the bottom. And I'm like that too. If I can't see, I love pools. Awesome. Golf? No, not so much. You know why? That's all I think of. I don't care where we are. Holly Beach, Destin, Pensacola. dun -dun. Everywhere I go, if I can't see the bottom, I don't want to be in it. Okay. So this great white shark, by the way, can grow up to twenty feet long and be anywhere from forty five hundred pounds to six thousand pounds. Come on, how many know you see that thing anywhere near you? You're peeing in your pants first, and then you are running. Okay. So so Jaws can grow up to twenty feet, can grow up to six thousand pounds. Did you know this, though? If you take that same jaws and you stick him in an aquarium, he will only grow to the size of that aquarium. You stick him in an ocean and he can grow six feet and 5,000 pounds. Why do I say that? Because sometimes I believe if you stay in your 18-inch seat, you're only going to grow 18 inches. But what would it be like if God changed your fish tank and got you in a bigger one? How big would you grow then? Y'all with me here? And so and so you see that here with this. And every time God asks, and I want you to have that mental. Every time God asks you to take a step, I want you to think because what God is trying to do is he's trying to get you to the next fish tank because the next fish tank is what's going to make you bigger. It's going to make you better. It's going to grow you. But if you stay in the 18-inch seat, don't be surprised if you only got 18-inch faith. That's how it begins. But I want to show you, I want to wrap all this up in the story, Deuteronomy 1, and in verse 21, because I would love to say that God tells them, Hey, guys, I want you to move and go. Here's the deal. You know why God was telling him he didn't want them to stay at the mountain? You know why? Because he wanted them to go to the promised land. The promised land was grapes and honey and amazing stuff that God had waiting for them. And he said, guys, you've been at this mountain long enough. I have the promised land waiting for you. And this is what we want to do. We're cool with staying at the mountain when God's got the promised land waiting for us. And I would love to say, love to say that these guys said, okay, let's go to the promised land. Let's watch verse 21. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. This is, this is what Moses is saying to his people. Go and occupy it. As the Lord has said, the God of your ancestors, he's promised this to us, man. He's promised this promised land to us. All we've got to do is go and look what he says. Don't be what? Don't be what? Afraid, because Moses knows the biggest thing that's going to prevent them from going to the promised land is fear. And don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Now watch this. Verse 30. The Lord your God, he's going ahead of you, and he will fight for you. Come on, how many know it's good when God fights for you? Just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness. And you saw just as a father had cared for his child. And you saw that he has brought you to this place. These are all things that you've seen God do. How many of you have seen God do something in your life? He's brought you places. He's saved you. He's, he's helped you. He's been in your family. He's done things. And he's Moses is reminding him of them of all that God's done. He's brought us out of Egypt. He's brought us out of slavery. He's parted Red Seas. He's given food from the, from, from the sky. He's had, He's provided everything we've ever needed, guys. Why in the world would we ever doubt him? He's always taken care of us up to this point. And God is saying, Here's a promised land. Just go there. All you got to do is step. It's yours. I've already fought for it. I've already gotten it for you. You just got to go get it. And the saddest verse in this whole thing is 32 and 33. But even after all God did, you refuse to trust the Lord your God, who goes before you looking for the best places to camp guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Three million people told God, I ain't going. I'm not stepping. I'm perfectly fine right here. And you know what God does? God says, okay, for the next 40 years, you will stay in this place. You will travel around in the desert for 40 years, You will not enter the promised land, but your kids will. And Moses's assistant, Joshua, if you go and you read in Joshua, Joshua ends up being the one that actually finally brings them into the promised land. But they were supposed to have been there a long time before that. But because they were unwilling to take a step for 40 years, they stayed in the desert with the same people. How many of you know how boring that is? The same people for 40 years. Some of y'all are in here for 40 minutes with the same people and you're done. 40 years. I, I want to I share. I love sharing deep theological truths with you from great theologians. And I want to share with you from one of, I think probably is one of the greatest theologians. Um, can we put that up there? Dr. Seuss. Um, this is what Dr. Seuss says. Oh, the things you can find if you don't stay behind. Thank you, Dr. Seuss, for that deep truth. Here's the question. What would be the things that you would find if you just took a step? Some of you, we've, you know, we ask you all the time, man, just stay an hour and 15 minutes after church. Go through the next step. Just go through it. Take that step. I mean, we take care of your kids. We take care of your food. Just take the step. What would you find? I don't know. You won't know until you take it. Join a life group. Get involved with people. Oh, man, I'm scared of people. They're going to condemn me or, you know, I'm not going to fit in. I don't like sharing with people. You don't know. You don't know until you take the step. You got to take the step. You got to take the step. Listen, there's so many of you that have great white shark potential, but you're living like Nemo. You're living in an aquarium, living like Nemo, and there's great white shark potential all up in you. And God is telling you, it's time to take a step. Because every time God tells you to take a step, he's wanting you to grow. Write this down, and we'll wrap all this up. The years reveal what the days do not tell. The years reveal what the days do not tell. Why, why do I say that? Because every daily decision, every small little step that you take, if you take it, maybe somebody will never see it. But if you keep taking those steps every day, the years will tell. Some of you in here are where you are today because of the steps that you've taken, whether for the good or bad. If you go and you read the story of Samson, I've been teaching this series of Samson with all of our men in our herd gatherings, which, by the way, men, you need to be there. You need to come to one of our three ones that we have. But we've been looking at the story of Samson. And You know the story of Samson, I mean we all know he had long hair he 's the strongest, fittest man in the world. I mean he was absolutely he had the strongest will in the world, uh, strongest physical body in the world, but he had the weakest will in the world and God told him don 't cut your hair don 't drink alcohol don 't touch dead things don 't marry people that are not that love God and he did all of them and One of the saddest parts of it all is that the, the Bible says is that he walks from his his house and his city to a city that was 25 miles away and he goes and he sleeps with a prostitute. And that whole chapter begins the progression of Delilah. Of Delilah asking for his strength and him lying to her and snapping it and all this stuff. But anyways, the thing I told our guys was I went and I measured out how far is 25 miles. It is 56,300 and something steps. And I told them, guys, listen. Listen. Where he was and where that prostitute was was 56,000 something steps. You know what that tells me? That God gave him 56,000 chances to turn around. And he never took it. And the sad thing is when he's laying in Delilah's lap and Delilah's telling him all this stuff. And and he God gives him four warnings. Four times people try to come in and get him and he breaks the things. And four times. So four times God tells him, get out, get out, get out, get out. And he never does. And the saddest part of that whole chapter is the Bible says that Moses wakes up. His hair has been cut. The guys come in, take him. They gouge out his eyes. And the verse says, and Moses woke, I mean Moses, Samson woke up and the spirit of God had left him. Some of us are where we are because we have chosen to take the 56,000 steps to where we shouldn't be and I'm here to tell you the beauty of all that chapter though is at the end of it after his hair has been cut he's gouged out and he's in prison the last verse of that chapter says but his hair began to grow back meaning that God was going to give him even another chance and there's some of you in here you've taken the 56,000 steps to stupid him And you've done some stuff you really regret. And you've lived a life where the spirit of God has left you. But can I tell you something? You're here. (laughs) So you know what that tells me? It's not you're never too far and it's not too late. And today, God has given you a chance for your hair to grow back. He's given you a chance to turn around and take the right steps. And it'll be small, but he's given you a chance today to take some steps. And I pray you take those steps. Because I'm going to tell you, if you will choose to take those steps, you will find life on the other end. Who knows what's on the other side of our obedience? Today, God's speaking to you. Some of you, God's been telling you to take a step for a long time. And you've been putting it off. I don't know what it is, and I don't need to know what it is, but you know what it is. And I pray today, more than anything, that you'll just obey God. Would you bow your heads all across this place? There's those of you that are here. We do this every weekend because we want want to give every person in here an opportunity to make the greatest step they could ever make. And that is to surrender their life to Jesus. There's those of you that are in here and you've lived for yourself for a long time. And maybe like Samson, it's brought you to some really bad places. But the beauty is, is that God's here and God loves you so much. And he is calling you home. And all he's asking for you to do is just to take a step. Just to take a step, a step of surrender, just to turn around and say, God, I surrender, not my way, but your will. That's what that word repent means. Repent literally means to turn around. My life is going this way. Today I repent and I turn around and I I follow you. I I've followed myself for so long, but today I turn around and follow you. If that's you in this place, say, Pastor Josh, man, that is me. And I'm ready to take that first step and surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand just so I can see you? Any other place in here? Thank you, man. I see you back there in the back. Thank you, ma'am. I see you over there too. Any else? Right there in the middle. Thank you. Over here on this side. Thank you, man. Back there in the back. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for being honest. Hey, can we just all pray this together? Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins, my mistakes, my failures. Thank you for rising again and conquering death, hell, and the grave. Today, I repent. I turn from my ways And I surrender to you from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus, for washing me clean, for forgiving me, and for giving me a new start. From this day forward, I'll take steps towards you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said.